Tommy is here. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> it wasn't as heavy as I thought. <laughs> so, first of all, good morning to everybody. Um, I kind of want to just really quick just step back, do a little recap of where we've been, what Pastor Jeff talked about last week. And um, we see in, in Colossians 3 that Paul's going through this series, and we've been talking a lot about it, this one another. Uh, but that chapter first starts by Paul telling the church of, of uh, Colossae to basically stop being carnal. You know, and he goes through a bunch of stuff there, and you can go out, I mean, you can look at the message from last week. Um, but I wanted to also uh, kind of take a step back to verse 1, and I think we have a note for this, <coughs> where it says, if, and as, as I was listening to uh, Pastor Jeff this week, because I wasn't here last week, um, that just stuck out, if, it just stuck out, if then you have been raised with Christ. And you know, it ministered to me because a lot, I have a lot of friends that, even family members that profess to be Christians, but then you see their walk and it's not as a Christian. If I saw him out in the street, I wouldn't know. <clears throat> so I, I like the way he starts, and then he goes on to talk about the characters of a new man. And uh, we saw that with the one another's, right? Remember the one another's, another thing that, that, that stuck out, and there's just too many to go over at this time. But uh, you need to notice that the one another's, as Jeff said, have, have an implication for those who profess faith in Christ, right? So that kind of just brings you now to chapter 4. And with that, um, I know we prayed, but, but I just feel like I need to pray again. And, and I must say, sitting in the back, when Alex called everybody to pray out loud, uh, it just ministered to me. And I didn't hear any specific prayer. I just heard a bunch of mumbling. No, in a good way. In a good, I just heard the church praying together. And that was just like, I mean, you talk about a sweet, sweet sound. And that just ministered to me. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. And Lord, I just want to step aside right now, Lord, and ask you to minister to all of us right now, Lord. This is your word. We ask that you would go before us, that you would search our hearts, Lord, and take out those things that may be blocking what you have to say today, Lord. So Father, go before this message and let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm not one of those guys that like to usually put a note up on the screen, but Jeff's kind of been twisting my arm a little bit to do this. <laughs> one of the hardest things you have to do is to pray in front of your pastor or, or to teach in front of your pastor. So anyways, so my main point is living out our lives with one another. As Paul continues to give instructions, he finishes this letter with greetings from those around him who were actually living out their lives with one another. I love that. I, I love that. And when Jeff gave me this passage to go through, <laughs> I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, boy, Jeff, you didn't give me a whole lot of meat here. 
because you're going to see it's a lot of greeting. But as I started to pray about it and just go through it, man, it just started just popping out. So with that, let's start with the further instructions in verse 2 of chapter 4, where it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in, in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And he kind of says the same things to, uh, to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesus, um, Ephesians chapter 6, and again there's a note, um, it says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, first thing I noticed here is, as I was going through this is that Paul is acknowledging that the church in Colossae is a praying church because he says, continue, continue steadfastly in prayer, which means there has to be something before that, right? He, they've been praying. So he does that. <laughs> and when he says continue steadfastly, it's devoted, consistently devoted diligent, as Paul says in another letter, to pray without ceasing, right? And that doesn't mean that we have to sit on our knees all day long and pray. That's not what he's talking about. But we need to pray throughout the day, you know, consistently acknowledging him. And then it says to be watchful, to keep alert, keep awake, you know. <laughs> Am I the only one that's ever gone to bed and start praying in your bed and then you fall asleep? Okay, I'm not the only one. Sometimes when I have trouble sleeping, I start to pray. <laughs> but that's not what he's talking about here. Okay? I just thought that was funny. <laughs> what I think he's talking about is us keeping our eyes on him and being thankful for whatever may come our way, good or bad to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in labor, right? Continuously praying. Be watchful. Be alert. When you see somebody that's hurting, go up to them and pray with them. You know, that's the kind of picture I get, is we need to become a praying person for all things. And, and I just love, again, just going back to the opening and everybody praying and hearing the mumbling. And one of the things that um, the elders have been talking about is that we need to change. Somebody says that somebody said that we're not quite that praying church yet. That that isn't us. I can't remember if it was you or, or Alex. And and they're right. But you know what? We're taking the right steps. We're taking the right steps. And I again, I'm serious. I'm back there. I, I almost start crying. And again, you all know that I'm an emotional person. But anyways. <laughs> So we notice in those two verses that I read in, in Colossians and in, in Ephesians that in, in both occasions, we see Paul asking for help for himself. 
There's nothing wrong with asking for help, right? But we also know that when he wrote these letters, he's in jail. Now, if I'm in jail and I'm asking for prayer, you know what I'm going to ask for? Help me get out of here, right? I want out. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. He asks that he be able to proclaim the gospel clearly and boldly, even in his chains. You know, sometimes I think we get caught up in our own pity sometimes, and and we get caught up in our own situations that we forget we have a great God, and there's a bigger mission than just us. And so I love how, how Paul prays. So as I'm going through this, I ask myself, so what is the mystery of Christ, or what is the mystery of the gospel? And in Ephesians 3, it's a note, it tells us, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And I love that. First of all, we, non-Jewish people, are now fellow heirs, right? We have access to Jesus. But what is the gospel? How do we have access to Jesus? Well, first of all, we have to realize that we're sinners, that we're all short, that we fall short. Not all short, I'm short, but not all of you. (laughs) But that we all fall short, right? There's only one person that's ever been perfect, and that's Jesus Christ himself, and that's why he was the only one that can go to that cross and die for our sins because he was the perfect sacrifice. He was perfect. So we need to, we need to realize that we fall short. We're all sinners. Nothing we can do about that. Now what I will say is, humans, we think that there's different degrees of sin. Oh, I just told a little white lie, you know? Or there's murder, right? There's all kinds of sin. But a sin is a sin. And therefore, whether you're telling a little white lie or whatever that little thing you do, it's still a sin. So we all fall short. And again, we have Jesus, who's that perfect sacrifice that, that went to the cross, says willingly and obediently, right? He was obedient to the Father. I mean, think about this for a second. He's 100% man, like we are. And I tell my friends, I said, thank God I'm not God because you would be going to, and I'm not going to say the word, (laughs) right? Because I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that for you, but we have a gracious Father who sent his only son to die for us. And not only that he took on that cross, not only did he die for us, but he rose again. And he's alive today. He's still alive. He's still our God. If, we if I would have went in the place, you know, again, I, I would be in the tomb. You look at other religions, all their leaders, still in the tomb. Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He fulfilled what the Old Testament was talking about, the law. He fulfilled that for our sake. 
And so when we talk about being Christians and, and, and sinning or not sinning, we still sin and we still fall short. But we have to understand that our salvation not, doesn't come because of who we are or, or what we do. It's what Jesus did on the cross. And therefore, we, I'll say me, I need to do a better job at listening to what he has to say and do what he wants me to do, whether I like it or not. If that means sitting in jail, then we should be okay with that because we know that's his plan. And that's what I love about Paul here. He doesn't pray for release. He prays that he would be able to speak the word boldly and clearly. And I love that. So when we talk about Christians, we talk about us. We sin. Jesus took our sins. We are now saved. But what does that look like now? What does that look like to us or for us now? Are we appreciative of that? So much that we're willing to do whatever he calls us to do? Or are we just going to say, you know what, I'll, I'll just do this and, and that'll be enough for me? Again, my prayer is that I'd be able to speak the, the gospel boldly and clearly also. And I hope you got a little bit of that. But we go on here, and Paul takes us on a little detour here in verses 5 and 6, because he had been talking about the relationship with one another, right? He's been talking about the church and the people within the church. And here in verses 5 and 6, he says, now let's take a look at how we, the believers, talk to the outsiders. To the non-believers. And he, and he just, real quick in verse 5, he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So walk in wisdom. To me, I, you know, I, I look at that, and, and that's to walk above reproach, to me, again. But the idea here is that we need to be walking according to the word. Okay? The word is the word. I'm not, I'm not talking about little bits and pieces of the word. Right? We need to walk according to the word. And that's what he's talking about, walking in wisdom. And, and I, I just got to tell you guys, as, as fellow Christians, the non-believer, they're watching you. They're watching you at work. They're watching you when you go to a park, if they know who you are. They're just watching you. They're keeping an eye out on you. And we think that we can choose and pick what parts of the Bible we can adhere to and forget the other ones. And then you wonder, again, I'm, I'm just going to say it, and then you wonder why you hear so many non-believers call the church a bunch of hypocrites. Starts with me. For me, it starts with me. And and I hate that because I know that I fall short there. But they're watching us. So he tells us, walk in wisdom. Right? Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. 
And basically what that means is that our speech should be tasting, kind of like a steak, right? Just kidding. But it should be tasting, it, sh- it should be tasty and encouraging, right? It should be our, the way we speak to non-believers should be in a form that they come to you and they want more of what you have to say. It's kind of the idea here. We need to be gracious, encouraging them. <clears throat> and I believe that it's the salt that seasons our speech. And that salt is the word of God. We need to be in the word of God. But again, here we see that there's a prerequisite, right? And that's that we walk in wisdom. And that's not a suggestion, it's a command. Why? So that you may know how you ought to answer each other. And then we turn back. Then he turns back. He goes, let's go back to the believers. And again, this is the part where I thought, you know, guys, Jeff, you didn't give me a whole lot of meat here. Because I read it the first time thinking, man, it's just a bunch of greetings, right? There's so much in there. There's so much. And I'm going to read verses 7 through 17, and then we'll come back. Forgive if I butcher the name, okay? Forgive me if I do. Tychicus, (laughs) (laughs) right? Tychicus will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and servant uh, and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with Onesimus, almost I, I guess, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, <laughs> this kills me, these names. Um, my fellow prisoner greets you and Mark, the, cus- the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may, un- that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear his witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. I don't know if I said that right, but anyways. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, and as does Demas. Give my greetings to, to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read to the church of, of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So, greetings, right? (laughs) But as I said in my opening main point, we see the church right here living their one another's. And I'm going to go down as as we go through. (laughs) 
And again, let's go back to verse 7, Tychicus. First we see his credentials, right? He's a beloved brother, faithful minister and servant in the Lord. Those are his credentials. And he tells them, I have sent him to you for the very purpose that you may know how we are and what, and he may encourage your hearts. So here he is. He, and, and we take you back to 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And this is what he's doing. Tychicus is encouraging the church. He's encouraging, well, yeah, his brothers, right? Then he goes on to Onesimus. Our faithful brother, or our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. Um, meaning, he's from the church of Colossae. Okay, he's one of them, because this letter's going to them. We continue. I'm going to skip through some of these because we read it, but let's talk about Mark. So in verse 10, where it says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Again, welcome one another. Romans 15. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So we're seeing that these one another's are being played out. They're being lived out. And I think, I mean, obviously it's God that, that's writing this, but it just fascinates me how it just all comes together, you know? And then he goes on, and I'm going to jump down to, well, let's, go, let's continue from there. Was, Welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision, circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So again, now here we go. Comfort one another. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 13, uh, where it says, Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Um, so we see it again, and it, and it just keeps going on. I mean, look at, at, at verse 12, where we see Epaphras, who is one, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Now, Epaphras, supposedly, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but I think he's the one, he's the founder of the church in Colossae. Well, you're on, on TV. <laughs> um, but he's the founder. He was one of the founding guys that, that planted that church in, in Colossae. And I, and I love this, that he struggles on behalf of his prayers for them. You know, and, and I look at that, and, and it's not that he's, he can't figure out how to pray or what to say, but that he's so intense in his prayers for his people. And he wants them to be mature. It says so that they can stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Man, I wish somebody would pray like that for me. Right? 
Keep praying for me for that. That wasn't, I wasn't asking you guys, but if you guys want to, it's all good. <laughs> but that's how we need to be with one another. We need to be praying for one another. You know, again, as we were praying during worship, I'm sitting back there and I'm hearing all the mumblings. And again, that's a good thing. I could just hear all the prayers. And it, it just, I pictured the Old Testament where, where the prayers are like that incense going up into the, into the sky. And that's what I was picturing. And then I caught myself picking out people here in the church praying. And I said, man, I need to pray for this person. I'm praying for this person. And I'm just thanking God the whole time. You know, but we, we should be a church that struggles to pray in the fact that there's so many things to pray for. Not that, oh, I don't know how to pray. I get that all the time. I don't know how to pray. So you know how to talk? There you go. Right? Just talk to Jesus, man. That's all you got to do. But I love this. I love it. It just shows the intensity of Epaphras' prayer for his people. And that's how we need to pray, man, with intensity. Not praying when you're ready to go to sleep and you fall asleep on the Lord, like many of us have done, right? But how about getting up early and spending time with the Lord and pray? I can't say all the time, but most of the times we see Jesus Go off and pray early in the morning. Early in the morning. You know why? Because that's his priority. What's our priority? My priority is taking a shower and brushing my teeth in the morning, right? But it shouldn't be. I'm just kidding about that, by the way. Okay. Wow. We have critics in the crowd. <laughs> um. <laughs> Alex <laughs> called him out too. But we, sh we should make that our priority, man. Get up. Spend time with the Lord. It doesn't mean, you know what, if you get up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because you work the night shift, then that should be the first thing you do when you wake up. Spend time with the Lord. I used to love it at our old house because my, my little office was in like towards the backyard and sometimes I'd go in there and I'm praying in the dark and and all of a sudden, I just hear the birds, you know, just chirping. And all I can think of, God is speaking through you birds. I mean, again, they weren't talking, but you know what I mean. To me, I, could, I just felt that peace. Um, and, and that's why I like to do it early. But anyways, you see Epaphras praying for one another. And then we're going to skip down. We're going to talk. We're going to go to verse 15 where it says, Give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. And it doesn't say it there. But when you have a church together in one place, then there's fellowship going on, isn't there? And, and I think that's what he's talking about here. Fellowship in 1 John 1. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. As I said earlier, Jesus died for us. Right? He rose again. He's alive today. 
And now we have access to the Father. Because when he sees us, he sees Jesus. He sees the blood of the Lamb because of what he did on the cross. Right? <clears throat> so we have fellowship together right here. I love it after church. Sometimes I'll walk out there and I'll just sit and I'll just watch. And I'll see people start talking. That's fellowship, friend. Come early. Fellowship with one another. Stay late. Fellowship with one another. We're a church. You guys are my brothers and sisters. And yeah, outside of church, some of us aren't friends or, or wouldn't be friends. But you know what? You're my brother. You're my sister. And I may not know you personally, but I do know that I love you because of what God's done with my heart. Right? Let's fellowship. And then the last one, and it's very interesting, but it says in um, 17, let's see, is it 17? Yeah. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And I see it again. He, fit, he started with encouragement, right? Encouraging one another. And here he is, encouraging again. And it's the same verse that I, that I mentioned earlier. So in this chapter, again, chapter 3, we see the one another's. We see if you're, if you're a believer, if you're in Christ, what does that look like? We talked about that. And we see the one another's. Then he gives us a couple further instructions. And then in his greetings, he goes right back to the one another's. And he shows us. He shows us what that looks like. We have now, now we have a picture of what it means to look out for one another, to be a church, to fellowship. Amen? And then he finishes with the last verse. It says, I, Paul... Write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Again, I think he's asking for prayer there. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Man, I just, I just love, I love this chapter so much. I say that every time I do a study. I just fall in love with the word. Um, but I see a picture of what the church looks like. If you want to know, what a church should look like, this is where you need to look. I, I would look at chapter 3 and chapter 4 and see how they lived it out. Amen? Father God, we just love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for loving us so much that you would send your only son to die in our place so that we would have access to your throne room. Lord, and give us hearts of obedience. Give us hearts of worship. Help us to fall deeper in love with you, that we would abide in you. For your word says that if we do that, you would abide in us. And Father, I just lift up my hands for my brothers and sisters here, those that may be watching. Lord. Help us to draw closer to you. Help us to push aside all the distractions in our lives, Lord. Thank you.
I know sometimes in the morning when we start to pray, we cut you off because we have to go to work or we have to do this or we have to do that. But help us to be reminded that you are God Almighty and that you deserve our time, that you deserve our fellowship. Father, speak to us, Lord, not just now, but throughout the week, Lord, that we would be reminded of what you did for us on that cross. Even when we didn't deserve it, you still died for us. That we may have eternal fellowship with you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, and help us not to put you in a box, Lord. Help us to love you like you ought to be loved. Lord, I just thank you so much for all that you've done for us, Lord. For our families, for our kids, for our church. And help generations become that local church that amplifies what you are talking about here, Lord. That we would be the kind of church that loves one another. And it starts with us here at Generations, Lord, but help us to expand to you the other churches that are near us, Lord, as we have been praying for them, Lord. Help us to love on them too, Lord. We love you so much, Father. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.